Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And on this week's Screen Verdict podcast, we've got a film review for you. Yes, it's a movie. A pretty big one. One that's creating a bit of a bit of buzz. Although, not as big as Madagascar 3, which topped the US box office this week. That is the first time I've heard of the existence of, uh, <laughs> of that film. We're behind the curve. Well, what we're going to be talking about is Prometheus. It's mm. gathering some intergalactic buzz. Yes. If you will. It's a sci-fi epic from Ridley Scott. Mm. Might have heard of this name. Yes, I have. It's in a lot of trailers for things. You sound enthused. You sound like a fan, Matt. <laughs> He's just the kind of guy that, like, he just, like, puts his name on everything and, like, you see all these movie trials, whether he's directed or just produced it, he just pops up, yeah. Now, the film Prometheus is actually a prequel. Yes, it is, to a film called Not Prometheus 2, <laughs> <laughs> but Alien. Yes, indeed. I think it's perhaps the film that put Ridley Scott on the proverbial Hollywood map. Hmm. Do we need to have seen this to appreciate Prometheus? Well, I haven't seen Alien. I saw Aliens, which is the sequel to Alien. I don't think we need to see it. Like, I I don't even know. Yeah, no, you don't need to see it. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't even get what the connection was with Aliens and Prometheus. Other than in some very short segments where there's a connection, I think you could still just appreciate Prometheus on its own as just like this separate mm. world with these, there's something else out there without having seen the Aliens films. Now, you've seen Alien. I've seen the the, the first one, the one does, that Ridley Scott directed. Do you think that one might bridge the gap between Prometheus and Aliens? Because they seem very foreign films to I'm me. unable to try and make a connection because whenever I think of the film Alien, I become enraged with hatred and anger because of how disappointed I was in that film. Oh, no. What was so disappointing about Alien? This is a film student's darling. All the critics, they love Alien. They say it was one of the great sci-fi horrors. It's so tense, so well-crafted without all these cheesy... Water. It was just so boring. Mm. And then when you finally see the Alien, like it's just a guy in a suit. It was like a bad Star Trek episode to me. Mm. I just didn't get it. So I wasn't excited to see this because of the Alien connection. Mm. And not really because of the Ridley Scott connection. Some of his recent films, Robin Hood, Body of Lies, they've been a bit average. I think people feel that Ridley Scott might have lost sort of uh, his like passion. People people love him for things like Alien and Blade Runner, mm. some of his early films. Yeah. Well, recently, a bit mixed people have been yeah. with Ridley Scott films. Like, he won the Oscar for Gladiator. Sorry, he directed Gladiator, which won Best Picture at the Oscars. Um, so I guess in some ways that's his sort of crowning achievement film. But even that with the critics was met with a bit of disappointment that that Crouching Tiger movie wasn't able to win and it was a bit of a critically mixed reception. And then since then he hasn't really done anything that's gotten any sort of awards attention or critical acclaim. So so let's get into Prometheus. We'll yeah, that's the movie we're reviewing. Apparently. We'll see if Scott can... Uh beat uh, perhaps average expectations for this film. Rise from... Wait. That is a bit hyperbolic. (laughs) (laughs) Resurrect his career. (laughs) He's doing it for the money. He's He's out on the streets, Ridley Scott. Uh, Needs needs a good comeback film in order to pay the bills. (laughs) 
Yes. This movie opens as some alien guy who drinks, like, a liquid and then, like, falls into a waterfall. I didn't quite get what that meant or what that had to, like, why I was supposed to care about this. Why would the guy drink that drink if he was just going to, like, it was going to make him fall into a waterfall and die? Didn't have you asking questions, Matt? Those very questions, <laughs> but with intrigue as opposed to disdain? <laughs> I just, like, was a bit like, why would someone do that? <laughs> so, yeah, there was a bit of intrigue. <laughs> the premise of this film is that about 80 years from now, human archaeologists, scientists, researchers have found perhaps clues that there's an alien race out there that ancient civilizations such as the Babylonians, the Sumerians, the Egyptians, and so on, knew about somehow through these messages that these mm. people had sent. Mm. And so they go on and basically a journey in order to find this intergalactic star system in order to find who these people or things might be and what message they have for humans. Yes. Now, they had people with giant hands pointing to stars like, in each of these civilizations, archaeology, to you, is that enough of a smoking gun to go on this expedition? Would you, if you go, oh, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the the Mayans, they all had pictures of big people with hands pointing up to the stars. This is enough to invest in a intergalactic exploratory committee. I'd say so. They didn't have telescopes. How do these people know about this star system that was beyond the vision of human beings. How did they know that? How did the, would, who did well, they, they get a message they from? They know about stars. You can see, you don't need a telescope to see that there are stars in the sky. I just told you they were stars out of the reach of human vision. Do you know how many stars there are in the sky? Like, couldn't it just be like a coincidence that there's a cluster of stars in the same? Like, there would definitely, I could draw five dots. There's a specific I, there's I, a could, I could draw five dots on a piece okay, of paper. So they and did, you, we could find they five didn't stars. Come up with an, that, yeah. an intricate enough pattern. The, yeah. You, it's <laughs> five, it was like five stars. Whoop de doo. Like, and you're telling me there aren't another five stars that are in a similar sort of pattern in somewhere in the, in the universe? <laughs> So, I mean, all the universe are the only five stars that are sort of dispersed in that fashion. Are you one of those people that when people, like, tell you to look at the stars and they go, that's the Big Dipper, you just say, nah, that could be anything. You're just connecting dots. Look, there's a rabbit (laughs) being pulled out of a hat by a magic star man. Well, um, no, but if someone said, that's the Big Dipper, I saw some dots like that on a wall, there must be aliens there, let's go. I'd say... (laughs) No, I don't think. I think that's a bit bit of a long, a long bow to draw. So Matt isn't <laughs> buying into the premise uh, of the film. Yeah, let's talk a bit more they, about the expedition. Actually, I wasn't get to yeah, this plan. I wasn't involved in the decision on whether to set off on this mission. <laughs> they go anyway. You are not a character in the film. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the characters. Now they go on a ship called the Prometheus. Yeah, which is the name of the movie. Mm. Mm. You were curious what that name was. <laughs> there you go. And on this ship, we have Charlie's Theron as the boss. Like, she's not the captain. She's not the captain of the ship, but she does sort of tell people what to do. I think mm. she's in sort of the company that is providing the funds and the ship for this expedition mm. she works for, and so she's the boss of the people on the ship. Are we meant to not like Charlie's Theron? I don't think so. I didn't like her. I quite liked her. Oh, really? Yeah. 
But because she also had the cynicism about, like, whether the missions are going on. And also, like, she had her own, like, awesome, like, pad in the spaceship, like, with just awesome stuff. <laughs> and it just, like, uh, and it was also, like, an escape pod, so she just, like, press a button and, like, uh, go off on that other ship and leave everyone. Else. Like, I thought that was, that was smart. The Thinking spaceship yeah. penthouse that you can fly yeah, off. fly off in. Own. I thought that was cool. It's the kind of thing maybe Tom Haverford would have yeah, if he was on the... <laughs> But no, I, th- I, th- I like that she has, like, an exit strategy. Now we have the captain of the ship is Idris Elba. Yeah, he was fun. He's one of my favourites. He, we played Stringer Bell in The Wire, mm. and... He's a friend of mine. <laughs> You've interviewed him. Yeah, I've got to talk to I'm him. I'm jealous. Yeah, nice guy. Uh, he also plays uh, Luther in the British crime show. Luther. Luther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was, he was sort of fun... Because he sort of, uh, I was about to say, like, wore a baseball hat. But, like, I'm not sure if that's what really made him fun. Um, he was sort of, like, a, had a good sense of humour. Uh, was a good guy. Got the job done. Didn't, like, uh, pick sides too heavily with anyone. who was just trying to do the right thing. Yeah, I thought he was, he was a good character that brought a bit of energy into the show, into the movie. And we have sort of the two main research people, the people that found this pattern on in the cave in scotland who are there kind of heading out the they're the adventurous ones they're the the ones that want the ones to fight make contact find what's on this yeah. uh planet mm. the girl is played by numi rapace yeah you might have seen in the swedish version of the girl with the dragon tattoo mm. uh, if I you guess, saw that movie you would have definitely seen her in it <laughs> <laughs> i guess they couldn't get rooney mara from the u.s yeah. version of uh, <laughs> the girl with the dragon tattoo yeah and the guy... Some guy. I think he might have played Ryan's brother in the OC. If only Dutchie were here. Oh if only Dutchie oh was guesting God. to be the provide the OC knowledge yeah. for the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't like their performances as much. I like their sort of role in the film because you need these people to drive the sort of the adventure. Mm-hmm. That they were the people that want to make contact and yeah. that's how you, why you get the the conflicts between mm. characters. Yeah. So I thought that was good. Mm. And of course we have to mention Michael Fassbender. Yeah, he was apparently in the movie. <laughs> he plays a humanoid robot. Yes. I don't think we'd be able to tell without them mentioning it in the film. He, he just looks like a, a human. He's a well, pretty good robot. there were a few things I picked up on that <laughs> had me suspicious <laughs> Because in one of his opening scenes, he's riding around on a bicycle shooting basketball hoops. And I thought, man, this is like the most awesome spaceship crew ever. They've got one of the Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> on, the, on the ship. But then I thought, oh, but he's not black. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think that's an offensive thing for me to say. Um, because like, there's that movie, White Men Can't jump which i think that movie's all about how white people can't play basketball right is that really the moral of the i haven't seen the movie the film? but i'm assuming i, I, I feel like the film might subvert that expectation oh. and you get a good white basketball player oh i don't know i don't know i, I don't seen know. I've seen the movie so people can let us know yeah if you've yeah. seen <laughs> white men can't jump yeah uh, <laughs> but uh so that that was a bit of a thing uh, so you immediately I, jumped a robot I didn't jump to Robot, but I thought there's something fishy here. And then he just watches a lot of old movies and 
quotes them. Like like almost like the he's heard they're doing a remake and wants an audition for one of the roles. <laughs> uh, which I guess threw me off the scent of robot. <laughs> I didn't think robots wanted to like to old movies and well Wally. <laughs> Wally like ah, there's a second clue. He's watching vintage movies like Wally did. And and the robot in Hugo liked old movies as well. He drew pictures from old movies. Is this am I just saying here that robots like old movies? I think so. Yeah. Um I would yeah, I'm now instantly suspicious of anyone who likes old movies. <laughs> They're a robot. Yeah. Whoa. Now in our dangerous method podcast in which Fassbender was in, mm. I said like he's already big. I'm a bit too late to call him big, but I think he's going to be the next George Clooney. He's going to be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was interested to see how he performed in this film. Whether I would continue that feeling. Mm. He blew me away oh. in this film. I was going to say it was a very stiff performance by him. Very, very robotic. He is a genius. I he is I he should get any role he wants, any film, anything, just give it to Fassbender because he will do it better than anyone else in the world. Unless it's the Lorax, in which case (laughs) I'd probably (laughs) do a better job. Just the way he walked, his his gait, his his little mannerisms, his inflections, they were so interesting and subtle and they were kind of humorous, but they, they also managed to convey the fact that he wasn't human. He was, he was interesting and funny and polite but his, they, they were just off. They were just not quite uh, how humans actually act. And so mm. you believe that he was this humanoid robot. Mm. And not only that, I think his character is the most interesting in the film because you get the perspective of this humanoid robot trying mm. to live with humans and the differences between that. And then he also comes into play with a few plot developments in terms mm. of the discovery of uh, of things on this planet. So I loved him. He's he, He's... He, Fassbender and the character of David stole the film. Didn't seem wooden, stiff, robotic a performance to you. Is that actually how you felt about the performance, or do you just like the joke? I just like the joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was very... It was good, in it? It was good. Yeah, no, it was very good. You sort of got this eclectic group of uh, of crew on the ship. There's a few others. Nerdy guy with glasses. Bit of a rebel who smokes and has tattoos. He's just in it for the money. And they're sort of like, uh, I guess they, uh, they're all assembled for a meeting where some old dead guy comes out. Um, he says, I'm the guy who's all your boss, but I died two years ago. Like, I don't know why they're like, don't go, well, he's dead. Like, let, let's do what we want to do. Like, he sort of has lost his authority over us since he died. But they still listen to him. Still, I mean, like, as soon as he said he said, I'm like, okay, that's it, turn it off. Who cares? <laughs> old man, old man, dead guy. I'm taking over this ship now. I think he's supposed to be, he's, he's just more a voice of the company that they're working for, as yeah. opposed to just working for him as the man. Oh, okay. Uh, so he tells them that they're going to find out the meaning of life or why they were created on this planet. Big claim. A big claim. High stakes. Like, yeah. So there's a bit of the sort of setting, a bit of the premise to whet your appetite. Now, what genre is this film, uh, Jonathan? Because we all know the best films can be neatly packaged into a box um, of a genre. <laughs> uh, what what genre would you say this film is? Sci-fi? Horror? 
romance. It touches on all of these. I would say it's mostly sci-fi. Hmm. It's fairly hard sci-fi. I'd say. I'd say if you're not a fan of sci-fi, hmm. you're probably not going to like this film. I don't think it's just a regular kind of fun action comedy in a sci-fi setting. It's pretty sci-fi, in my opinion. Yeah. The other thing to take note of is the horror. There are there were a couple of bits that made me jump, a couple of bits that made me go, whoa! And there's also a bit of a, a surgical scene. If you don't like that kind of, like, those medical surgery cut people open type things, uh, you've been warned. I'd say it's definitely a sci-fi film. Like, there are a few horror elements. Uh, as I think most sci-fis probably have horror elements. Like, it's never like you just... Go to another planet, meet some aliens, chill with them, have a few drinks, like, watch some movies and then fly back to Earth. There's usually some sort of, like, impending doom and fear. It's not just every yeah. day. It's either, like, sort of, like, it's just weird and therefore kind of funny and you get comedies, yes. like Paul and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, uh-oh, this, here's yeah. trouble. Yeah, so I guess either a comedy or a horror when you do sci-fi um, or action and I think this one has probably more horror elements than the other ones. Like, even there aren't huge amount of action scenes. And uh, it's not really a romance. There were actually a few comedic elements to this mm. film. Probably not enough to say no. it was a comedy. But I, w- I did like that there was just a few kind of dry, mm. sort of odd lines just every now and again. Just to break up sort mm. of the, yeah. the tempo, I suppose, of the mm. film. I yeah. think those, those worked for the majority. Mm. Yeah. So let's perhaps get into some of our likes and dislikes, mm-hmm. just general feelings uh, about the yep. film. Uh, what were some things that you enjoyed in Prometheus, Matt? I liked in Prometheus that uh, the mystery element of the show, like you slowly find out things as it progresses, and you sort of go, ooh, there's some inscriptions. Ooh, there's some metal pod things. Ooh, there's some black liquid. Mmm. Like, and, and you sort of, like, find out a little more at a time, and, and you can sort of start to piece things together. I quite liked that. Yes, yeah, so I, I bought into the mystery of Prometheus. Mm. I said, this is a great setting, a great world. They're asking big questions the possibility of meeting your maker, I really wanted to find the answers to the questions being posed in this film. I care. They definitely hooked me in mm. with that mystery. Yeah, I think that's a very good job. Would it sort of been cool if they had in the film like a, a like a bit more of a detective, like a Dr. House, Sherlock Holmes type character, mm-hmm. sort of like helping them put together the clues, maybe the big whiteboard where they're drawing up stuff as they find it out. <laughs> Could have been a bit of fun. Do you reckon they still have whiteboards in 2090? I don't know. Probably not. They've got all those computer screen things. That was something else I liked about the film, the visuals. Mm. I thought I thought it was a good world. I loved the, the character design. I loved the, the design of the, the machines and the suits. Mm. I thought visually there was a lot to be entertained by, all the sort of digital project projections from the computers mm. and that. I, I found that really entertaining. I thought they got that aspect sort of a sci-fi film mm. down well. I like that alien at the beginning of the movie, how he's designed to look like a human, and it's sort of like, I, I guess, somewhat inferred that, uh, or at least there's the theory in the film that these aliens created the human race. So you've got that interesting... It's not just people that are independently from Earth, thousands of galaxies away. You There's the potential that actually they're the whole reason we have a human race on Earth there might be some connection between humans and the aliens and, and, and it's not just two random 
planets that have no relation with each other. Like, I quite like that sort of theory and that sort of thing. And that's something that I haven't really seen in too many Alien movies before. So now let's move on to perhaps some of the things that we didn't like so much in the film. Hmm. Uh, what were your complaints, Matt? If any. Yeah. Well, I said that I really like the mystery element of the show. I really like that, that you sort of found out little things as you went along and you had this whole where's life come from and stuff. I thought that was really cool. Um, this film was written, uh, co-written by Damon Lindelof, who wrote Lost um, or, or, and was one of the big executive producers for Lost. Um, so I guess he is uh, no stranger to telling a story which has a really intriguing mystery <laughs> that uh, brings a group of characters into sort of a new environment and they slowly find out more and more about that environment, uh, leading to some pretty big questions. But they didn't really, when Lost came to the end, have any answers. feel like this could be a weakness of uh, Damon Lindelof uh, strength with the questions, weakness with the answers. Would you agree with that? I will say I'm not quite as harsh on the yeah. ending as you, but I'd say the ending is not as strong as the the opening mystery. Okay. I didn't have too many complaints with the film. I think the, the only couple of things I noticed was the music. I thought the score was a little bit Ooh. cheesy. It was a little bit sort of like, here's your traditional, typical kind of sci-fi score where here's the dramatic part, here's the eerie space part. Mm. I thought it kind of missed the mark a little bit, didn't match yeah. the strength of the, the mm-hmm. visuals perhaps. And around sort of two-thirds of the way through the film, I felt like it slowed a little. We got taken a bit away from the mystery and it spent a bit of time mm-hmm. on the characters and a bit of cheesy dialogue started to creep in. Mm. But then I think it picked back up again and for the for the most part, I thought that was relatively solid. But yeah, those those were the couple of things that, that stood out to me the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, let's go to uh, one of our favourite segments. What has Blank taught us? Uh, where we look at a lesson or something uh, that each of us has learnt from the movie because uh, films are entertainment pieces, but they are also uh, things where you learn. You learn about the world, you learn about uh, culture, you learn about society, you learn about conventions. Um, and this is a great way we can look at what has we actually learnt from Prometheus. And then if you haven't seen the movie, you'll then learn it. So, Jonathan, what has Prometheus taught you? Prometheus, Matt, has taught me the meaning of life. What? (laughs) I now know the entire history of the human race, where we came from, why we're here, what our purpose is, and now I can sleep easy, easy at night. Rest assured, I got all the answers to those big important life questions. Now, I saw the same movie you did, and I've got the answer to one of those questions (laughs) at most. Like... That was still somewhat vaguely answered. <laughs> but uh, anyway, what has Prometheus taught you, Matt? Well, um, I'm always interested in how society is going to develop technology advances and things like that. And uh, I think, as you mentioned earlier, there was a, a, a surgery scene that is actually done in this giant operation machine that you can just go in and it does the op- operation for you. Just key in, blah, 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 like, and it will do the operation for you. What I was very curious, uh, seemed to me, was like, uh, it seems like they have streamlined for this operation machine the uh, surgery and skill tester 
technology. <laughs> um, it seemed like the surgery seems very much like how the skill testers at the video game arcades operate, <laughs> uh, like the claw from Toy Story. I thought that was sort of neat that, like, you know, maybe you go to Time Zone or or the video game arcade and get an operation. <laughs> yeah, I've always hoped that developing video game skills would pay off somehow in the real world. Perhaps in the future I'll be able to meld the two yeah. into a uh, medical profession. Yeah, our doctors in hospitals in 2089, like just using a couple of joysticks <laughs> to remove uh, appendixes and things, they get a prize if it, like, uh, <laughs> if, it, if it doesn't drop out of the claw when it comes down. Yeah, that'd be very cool. I'd, I'd, I'd go see the, uh, I'd go to the operations studio, uh, you know, the viewing room to watch those sort of operations for sure. Yeah. Oh, he's he's oh, he's got he's got the appendix. He's got ah ah ah. He's dropped it. Put in another dollar. <laughs> Puts a little bit more weight on the phrase "game over." I yeah. Think, uh... <laughs> yes. So, should we give this uh, bad boy a verdict? Yes. Let's move on to our screen verdict. Rating for the film Prometheus. Mm-hmm. This film attempts something grand. I can understand why it's being compared to films like 2001, A Space Odyssey. I think it goes for something big. Mm-hmm. And on a reasonable level, I think it gets there. I think it has a great premise, a great mystery. It's got a good cast. I think Michael Fassbender is spectacular in the film. Mm-hmm. It's pretty well-paced. It's quite interesting throughout there's a couple of small hiccups, but I was there the whole way through the film. I was enjoying it the whole time. And in the end, I think it doesn't match the opening of the film, but I think it gives you something rewarding. I felt like I saw an entertaining and unique film, and I think this was by far the most original and interesting, exciting project that we've seen Ridley Scott attempt in a long time. So I was extremely uh, surprised by that and uh, enjoyed it very much. I'm going to give Prometheus 8 out of 10. Prometheus, I thought, was entertaining. I enjoyed it. I thought there was some good mystery and uh, a bit of an interesting take on an alien film, uh, something that I like, thought was quite good. Um, I thought the cast was very good. I thought like a, a, a great cast that, that all, all did well. This all being said, I thought it was long. Uh, I thought it was a bit, like, uh, patchy. Like, some bits I was enjoying, some bits I was bored by. Um, it didn't really capture my interest too greatly. I thought bits of it was slow. I didn't sense there was that, you know, with these sorts of films, you're hoping for that great scene. Like, that great, big scene at the end. And I didn't think we really had that, to be honest. I think the questions were very uh, unsatisfyingly answered at the end. Um, I'm going to give it a six and a half out of ten. Because I did think it was an entertaining, a good film. Not a film I told people not to see, but I just was checking my watch a bit throughout the <laughs> throughout the film. So there's a screen verdict. Mm. Let's move on to another one of our favourite segments. I think, I think the people's favourite, this one. <laughs> the people's favourite, housekeeping. The big news is that uh, last week we did our much-anticipated Game of Thrones podcast. Yes, I've been wanting to ask you, Matt, how does it feel to be a celebrity? The Game of Thrones podcast has gone nuts. It's gone, but yeah, it's gone. It's by far our biggest podcast. I think it broke the internet. Now, the internet has not been working at my house this week. I can only presume it's because the traffic for the Game of Thrones podcast has broken the whole internet. Due to the the massive public response, it's been yeah. very good 
uh, to see. We had guest Rob Sestanino uh, on yeah, the podcast. from Rob as a podcast. A great, a great podcast in its own right. And we can see this statistically, there's proof to perhaps not back up the claim that uh, we broke the internet, uh, but that it has been popular. We moved up to number two in the TV and film category yeah. uh, on the Podomatic side. Podomatic, the number two Podomatic TV and film podcast. Very exciting. So how does it feel, Matt? Are you able to leave the house without uh, the <laughs> screaming fans? At well, your it's a great thing about being on a podcast. People don't see your face. They, they just hear your voice. So it's not until <laughs> I start talking to people that they realise who they're speaking <laughs> to. But no, that was very exciting. Uh, we're very pleased with the response. And um, yeah, guys, uh, keep on uh, subscribing to us on iTunes, liking us on Facebook. Uh, we love the support. And also very appreciative to our guest, Rob Sestanino. Check out his podcast, Rob as a Podcast. That's a... That's a good one too. Once you've once you've signed up for our one, then then sign up for his. Yeah, we also have a Game of Thrones competition running, um, where you can win a the Game of Thrones book. And all you need to do is like us on Facebook, Screen Verdict on Facebook. You have to just write on our wall a tagline for season three of Game of Thrones. Um, if you haven't seen Game of Thrones before, first season was Winter is Coming. Second season was War is Coming. So just think of something nerdy to be coming in season three, <laughs> something that fits with the Game of Thrones uh, sort of stuff, and uh, you could win. You could win a book, and then you can get into Game of Thrones. Sounds like a pretty good competition. Yeah, so enter that, and we'll be closing up that competition at the end of June. So get your submissions in by the end of June. We've already got some entries in, so... First podcast we release in July, we'll announce the winner. Yep, which will be our one-year anniversary podcast. Oh. So very exciting. We also got some, uh, the Rob Has a Podcast community uh, gave us some feedback too on the uh, on the podcast. They're very excited to hear what Rob had to say. Uh, Alex Lee said he thought it was very good. Uh, Stephen Drayback said um, he may check out the cast if there's a topic that piques his interest. Good job to Rob Matt and Jonathan. Yeah, so... Good job, Stephen, yeah. on the comment. Yeah, good job, Stephen Drayback. Yeah, so um, <laughs> very good. Yeah, people, very, very warmly... The, the one thing uh, they said was, we didn't really discuss Arya's plotline, which they thought was a highlight. I would agree that was a highlight of the season. Arya, um, fan favourite Yeah, the show. people love Arya, um, who pretended to be a boy this past season for quite a large chunk. <laughs> Do you think she was a convincing boy? I think so. It seemed to work for her in the show. Yeah. So I guess that is that's how I define convincing. If she convinced most of the people in the show, well, yeah. One character rocks up and goes, "Ah, that's a girl!" Like straight away he picks it. <laughs> was that person just really smart, or just everyone else really idiots for not realizing that was a girl with them the whole time? I think he considered them to be idiots. I think yeah. the point of that was to demonstrate that this guy was a bit cluier than yeah. everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that, she's one of the best characters on the show. We did enjoy yeah. her and her interactions with the mysterious assassin man. Yes. Who, um, <laughs> uh, at one point gives her a token and says if she wants to see him, she needs to say Velgar Mog. It needs to say two words. And I'm just glad I'm not her. Because yeah, there's, there's no way I'd be, like, I'd be going out to someone. Gallus. Yeah. I'd be going up to someone, like, uh, with my little token going, look. I've got the token for him. <laughs> I, I just, I, I just can't remember the, I just can't remember the the, the words <laughs> to say. Yeah, it was yeah, like it was like uh, it was a V word and an M word. Like, is this enough for you to like know that I'm legit here, or do I like? 
<laughs> yeah, I would have been if I was a... Do you have a pen and paper? Could you just write that down? <laughs> so I think that's a Prometheus podcast. We've got some very exciting podcasts coming up in the next couple of months, don't we? There's the, there's the Pixar Brave, we've got Spider-Man, we've got Batman, we've got some Breaking Bad, some Veep, some like, just a lot of really exciting things coming up. So if any of those sound exciting, because we find them exciting. Yeah, these are pretty... pretty We're pretty pumped for it. Mm. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week, guys. Bye.